Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. I have some good housekeeping notes. I am trying to improve the editing, the sound quality, and um, most of all, my voice. So let's hope that everything goes a lot more smoothly this episode. And again, please feel free to leave me any feedback if necessary. But let's get into it. This week, we are actually breaking down an Edward James almost helmed episode, season two, episode nine, entitled Bushido. What is the plot synopsis, you ask? Well, Castillo is forced to choose between friendship and duty when Jack Gretzky, his best friend from his days in Vietnam with the CIA, reemerges from the criminal underground, complete with a Russian wife who is being pursued by the KGB. This episode, the only thing that I... It's a great episode, don't get me wrong. But I can tell it's so Castillo-focused that everybody talks in this very thought-out cadence. So trying to get the clips for this episode, every clip is like 45 seconds long because of all the pauses, which is a far departure from your dear host who can talk a mile a minute and has to do vocal exercises and actively talk slower. So it's just kind of such a juxtaposition of me going like, and then Castillo talking like this but it's a great episode i'm really excited to break it down with you guys because we have a super sexy cold open not only it's like the hottest night of the year but they're doing an underground sting where everybody's in different costumes and doing different things trudy looking like a million bucks as always in a strapless pink mini dress with roller skates as Boys and Girls by Roxy Music is playing in the background. They are on a stakeout. Basically, Crockett and Tubbs are upstairs in this building across the street with a night vision, or I want to say infrared camera. They mentioned it later on this episode. I just can't remember how they describe it. Doing recon, basically, they're waiting to do a sting on this guy called Herrera. They're also working with a DEA agent. You'll recognize this DEA agent from The Warriors. <laughs> Real name, Thomas Waits. So basically, the just the deal is, is that the DEA agent has the money. He's going to go in to the bathroom <laughs> to make this deal with Herrera. Please look at Herrera's shirt. <laughs> I can't even tell if it's button down. I just took notes about all the sequins. I didn't actually take notes on the design. It is wild. And <laughs> the way this all goes down is they both know what they're there for. And they're like, oh, you know, show me yours. I'll show you mine. There is what appears to be a hobo in the bathroom currently at the time. They're waiting for everyone to get out of the bathroom. I guess they just kind of miss that there's someone already in the bathroom or they just think it's a civilian um, and they don't do the full Miami Vice bust yet until the civilian has actually left the bathroom. So a few minutes go by, we see Crockett super slyly talking on the microphone uh, in everybody's earpieces. We see (laughs) Zito buried in the sand pop up so there's like a a yellow solo cup on top of his chest with a tube attached that he's breathing through. Gina is undercover as um, 
a bum going through the garbage can. Zwitek as well. So they all kind of have Herrera's team half busted, ready to go. So once the de-agent Herrera gone to the bathroom, once the homeless man exits the bathroom, everybody jumps in. But when they get to the bathroom, it's a very different scene. The DA agent, pants down, hogtied, gagged. When they check the other stall to check on Herrera, Herrera is upside down, dead, face covered in cocaine, all the cocaine dumped in the toilet. That $500,000 that the DA agent had, gone. What's going on here? And this has made into a huge deal because this is how Crockett and Tubb were talking about this DA agent not a minute before he was found pantsless and hogtied. This DEA guy Thompson. Is he any good? Special forces, medals, khaki underwear. Talks like Rambo. Uh, yeah. So this is a very interesting turn of events. After the intro, we're back at the precinct where, obviously, <laughs> Castillo has some questions. What happened? See what it is, Lieutenant. It's an operation of complex tactics. We blew it. And so it gets better. This Rambo <laughs> starts kind of denying any culpability, saying that the vice team can get back the $500,000 that it now owes the government. When Crockett pushes back and says that, hey, like, this was a co-production between the DA and Vice. Like, we're both on the hook for this money. Uh, a little bit more attitude entails, but leave it to Crockett to always put him in his place. Hey, pal. This is supposed to be a co-production. You were the guy that walked into the toilet with a ton of dough and ended up with his pants around his ankles. You cracker cop. Uh... <laughs> I couldn't really understand what, how that was an insult. They're both white. And then it just like brought me back to the pilot. My favorite quote for the pilot, in case you have forgotten. I know we all look alike to you Southern crackers. <laughs> I will say Crockett does look impeccably handsome. Well, obviously during the entire episode, because it opens on him like sweaty with this white shirt doing recon also while Tubbs is wearing long sleeves but then in the precinct it's this looks like a very breathable fabric like it looks like a very loose knit fabric um I will do some research to see what kind of fabric it is because I should know the name of it but it's like a soft pink color and he looks great in it but again Don Johnson can wear a burlap sack and look great so (laughs) let's give him credit for that so our DA agent finally kind of fesses up well it doesn't he's basically his excuse is that he went into the bathroom someone pinched his neck he didn't even see the guy that attacked him he saw stars boom woke up hogtied pants down gagged so he didn't even clock who this other guy was but we have surveillance don't forget so as the team watches over the surveillance footage remember the homeless man that was coming out of the bathroom Turns out, not a homeless man at all, but a highly skilled former CIA agent that goes way back with Castillo. Something is fishy here, and Castillo is going to get to the bottom of it. 
killed Herrera and stole $500,000. I'll get it back. That's my job. I'll find him. But know this. This man is dangerous. Don't try to apprehend him. And I don't want anyone to approach him in any way. That's an order. Because he belonged to, quote unquote, the company. How they refer to this A during this entire series is always very interesting. Um, the company. So Castillo wants to see if he's been sanctioned, because if he has been sanctioned, that's one thing. But if he hasn't been sanctioned to murder Herrera and steal $500,000, then obviously he's in a lot of trouble. And now Castillo being Castillo, obviously he's dead set on meeting up with Gretzky alone. Uh, One thing, obviously, I had to touch on. Um, It's been very hard for me to write Gretzky with an S and not a Z. So, yeah, the entire time I was doing notes, I was like, nope, nope, not that Gretzky. The other one. (laughs) Hashtag Canadian problems. But there is a sweet scene where Crockett and Tubbs come up to Castillo. Call him Martin, which... Very jarring to hear. I think the only time I've heard them call him Martin or one of them call him Martin was during the Golden Triangle. So it's only times where they kind of get to know him on a little bit more of a personal level. And again, being Castillo, it's like, here's a tiny sliver of my life and I'll give you no other details. And I'll speak about it in a very intelligent, thought out, slow, burning way, which I like. Uh, You know, I'd love to have a little bit of that in me. (laughs) (laughs) You don't always need to talk a mile a minute. And this is me talking slow. So imagine me in person. But before he goes to meet with Gretzky, Castillo is going to meet up with the company and get a little bit more background as to what's going on. So the next scene pans to the outside of an adult bookstore, movie arcade with books, magazines, and novelties. This is straight out of 1985, and I love it because you see beta and VHS. There's a 1995 special. Don't want to know what that entails. Open 24 hours, viewing in private. (laughs) And there's a banner that says open seven days a week, and there's like the little... um, you know, the celebratory, celebra- oh my God, the little celebratory banner with triangles. Yeah, that's on there. So like, it's, it's a vibe and you think it's a vibe now. Wait till we get inside. You have to see how fake looking this is. Like this obviously looks like a CIA front if you were to go inside and quote unquote, you know, indulge and buy any adult products but it just looks so funny it's this like cheap and trashy ladies wear hourly rates with different size polka dots in the background hilarious but Castillo is here with questions and he wants to get some answers in this next clip well color huh (laughs) what's the company doing in Miami our work here involves national security and Jack Gretzky is our work that's why we're here you follow yeah, so it turns out that Gretzky has been keeping himself very busy in this surprisingly hilarious next clip. Gretzky's left a trail of dead agents halfway around the world, all the way to Miami. It's uh, taking all of the old outstanding accounts. Good for him. Mostly theirs. We don't know why he's here in Miami. We don't know why, and that's what's got us worried. What would he want in Miami? Me. 
Castillo expresses that he has a feeling that something really big is going to go down in the city. Like, why else would Gretzky be here? The CIA agrees with him. And they also want to let him know why they're really after Gretzky. So they think that he has turned because they have surveillance photos with him and his Russian wife. There's a photo of them in Moscow, which I don't believe is Moscow. Someone said it was the Miami-Dade courthouse, which I would believe. But they look so fashionable. And I know I don't wear fur because I'm a vegetarian. But this fake fur, I hope in my mind, I know it's not fake fur. But they just look so stylish in that surveillance photo, quote-unquote, in Moscow, quote-unquote. And then there are other pictures of them um, throughout Cuba, quote-unquote. Also assuming that's going to be Miami. Um, But trying to kind of paint the picture that maybe he turned, he's a traitor to America, what have you. So we really don't know what's going on. Castillo wants to go get a few more answers. So we cut to Castillo going to a newsstand where a gentleman approaches him and hands him a card. No dialogue spoken at all in this scene. Then Castillo goes to this gorgeous, very Thai-inspired house and... I'm aware that maybe if he is a dirty CIA agent, there's a reason he has all this money. But if he's not expected to be in Miami, is he renting this house? Does he own this house? Is it like a very luxurious Airbnb? Because it is gorgeous with this beautiful little bridge that they're standing on when they're performing this scene. And then inside, there's all these lit tea light candles. So I really give it up to the set design or whoever found this house. It is gorgeous. And it fits the scene very well. And it's a very bittersweet scene, as you'll see in this next clip. Marty. We change. Not you. And as they're catching up... It turns out that when Castillo was recuperating from his ambush, he was told that Gretzky had also died in the same ambush. Um, Gretzky corrects him that he was left for dead. Interesting. Interesting. But in a very nice compliment, Gretzky, again, this CIA mastermind, has nice things to say about the Vice Squad. Of course he was able to tell that they were there, but he still compliments Castillo nonetheless. I figured that was your way of saying hello. Now, don't be too hard on him. Those two that were up in the balcony with the night scope, they were very good. And the ones in the park, I like the roller skater the best. She was a real beauty. And the one that was buried in the sand, he's working with a clean slate. You got good people. A lot of heart. What's this all about, Jack? What'd they tell you? You went over. You believe them? This is very sweet, but that little, you kind of hear like a little crackle. That's actually Castillo smiling as he's talking with the Vice Squad, which is very sweet. And then it gets to get a little bittersweet as they talk into family where Gretzky... Played by Dean Stockwell. Sorry, I have all these notes on him, and I forgot to mention, yes, this is our big guest star, Dean Stockwell, who unfortunately passed away last November, November 2021. But 
incredibly prolific career. Also starred with uh, Edward James almost on Battlestar Galactica. So there's a little Miami Vice connection there. And so as they're talking, kind of reminiscing about old days, you see there is a very sweet rapport between them. And you can tell something heavy is going on the more they talk about family and is a little bit sad when Castillo mentions that he doesn't have a family because as we saw in the Golden Triangle, his wife at the time, he thought she was dead and vice versa. So unfortunately, this is the second major relationship in Castillo's life that he was lied to about what happened to them. So in essence, cut off from two of the closest people to him in his life. So no wonder he hates the CIA. (laughs) And you could tell something is bubbling under the surface with Gretzky and there's more to this meeting than just what meets the eye, as you can see as he kind of talks in this next clip. Remember that night in the hills of Mesaw when the Hmong warlord sent his assassins? They had us cornered in a temple like this one. And we lay there waiting in the dark. And the air was so thick and ancient you couldn't breathe it. And when they came, we stood in the middle of the floor leaning with our backs to each other. It was our swords against their swords. We should have died then. Come on, let's go inside. Uh, Okay, upon rehearing that clip, yes, they're in a temple. I am not crazy, because I was like, what architecture for an apartment slash house is this. I really do like they do have a scene later on the episode at Castillo's house, which is very zen-like and with really nice like Eastern design, open air. It is gorgeous. But let's talk about this temple for now. And they're getting a little bit more sentimental as Jack Gretzky is talking a little bit more about his family and that his wife and son changed everything for him talks about how Marty is the only one that he ever trusted and that he's in Miami for a reason and he wants what's best for his family and he knows that Marty will take care of them and protect him and this is really bittersweet Marty you're the only one I ever trusted if something happens to me I look to you I want my family to live a safe, comfortable life. No more running. And they shouldn't want for anything. And so it's from this very emotional conversation about family and wanting them to be taken care of. Kind of see what's going on here. Because Castillo, of course, has to ask the question. What's going on? Why'd he kill Herrera? Who stole the $500,000? It's against the law. Castillo has to take him in. And Castillo makes it very clear where his values lie. It's my duty. It's what I am. And as they're having this conversation, Jack turns his back to Castillo, tells 
Martin to loosen up his tie, relax a little bit, you can see his right hand move into his pocket. Castillo, obviously being Castillo, knows exactly what's going to happen. Jack turns around, pulls out a Mac 10, fires several shots. Castillo pulls out his gun, fires one shot, kills Gretzky on the spot. I do want you to look, I include a picture in the gallery, of the holes in the back of the wall. Gretzky wasn't aiming at Castillo at all. He wanted Castillo to kill him. Next scene, we're at the temple, but obviously the company and Crockett and Tubbs are now on the scene. Company, the CIA, continues to be as insensitive as ever. Castillo, you and Gretzky, the last of the dinosaurs. But I gotta hand it to you, you're a real problem solver. That guy was totally out of control. We either had to kill him or give him a medal. Yeah. Now we don't even know him. Oh, man. Poor Castillo. So, next scene, we see Castillo at home. Not talking. Sitting with his thoughts, making what I believe to be green tea because he has the same kind of whisk that they sell when you're um, making matcha at home. And again, we get a nice shot of Castillo's gorgeous house at night. Then we get a call in the precinct. Tubbs answers the phone, turns out the coroner had called to say the autopsy results and that Gretzky had terminal cancer everywhere and that he was surprised that Gretzky could do anything, let alone walk with how much pain he's in. So this paints a much bigger picture as to what's going on. Gretzky knew that he was dying, stole the money to provide for his family, did so in Miami. So Castillo, the only man he's ever trusted, could look after his family. So it's incredibly bittersweet, kind of like a a little bit of a precursor to Breaking Bad. Obviously, a little bit different in many, many, many ways, but similar idea. And now it makes sense because when I first saw the scene, I was like, this guy is a highly trained CIA agent, fired multiple shots, and didn't get anywhere close to Castillo. And now it makes sense. It was suicide by cop. When Crockett and Tubbs go to check in on Castillo at his home, they see a letter and his badge on his table. Then we get to see Castillo's pad in the daylight, and it's also beautiful. Just this entire, like, open-air patio. How gorgeous. I was thinking, personally, in the rain in Miami, I might want to have something that covers, so he might hopefully have something to provide a little bit of shelter in case of a rainstorm, but... I digress. Let's get going. So now Crockett and Tubbs also want to visit the CIA and see what's up. So in another ridiculous setup where it looks to be like an adult toy store called Sin City, I like the um, just the legs. There's no torso. There's no head of the mannequins. It's just the legs in the background. And they talk with a guy called Surf. Yes, Surf. Where's Castillo? Listen, he's in a lot of trouble. The KGB want Gretzky's wife and the boy. Alive if possible, dead if necessary, but they want him. She's former KGB. You understand? You gotta find him before the Ruskies. 
Okay, this is interesting. This is also lends credence to the CIA thinking that Gretzky has gone over. Then, when Crockett asks about the other CIA agents, I learned something new today in this next clip. You must mean Harden. Yeah, they went pinko on us and we sent them away. Pinko. <laughs> Pinko's donut shop, it's down on Palm. They have superb jelly rolls. Did you know that? We'll wait. I don't think you should. You got a busy night ahead of you. I did not know that Pinko was a reference to a communist sympathizer. <laughs> Just learned this today because this was like this whole story back in Toronto of oh my god so that's why it was just I, I linked to it in the show notes I was just like oh that's what it meant I figured it was like left wing I didn't know it was actually reading communist or like a communist sympathizer oh man so I thought that was a little interesting when he's like oh no I mean pinko's donuts wink wink so we learned the real story real quick so when Surf our new say agent goes back to the office remember it was the adult entertainment store or adult entertainment emporium use their offices uh we see harden the other agent dead shot at their desk we see two other guys again with this giant gps tracker um something's a little different here ready huh where's the jelly rolls Please don't ever speak in Russian again. Oh boy. Okay, so that GPS tracker on Tubbs' car, which might I add, if my memory serves me correct, this is the third episode in a row where a GPS tracker has played a role in the mission. However, this time it's against Vice. Usually it's Vice putting on the GPS trackers. This time it's someone against Vice. But we now cut to this beautiful house with a incredibly beautiful woman opening up the door. It turns out this is the house where Gretzky's wife and child are staying at. This is Gretzky had told them early on in the episode. This beautiful woman, a mutual friend, opens the door. Uh, good for Castillo, because the way they look at each other is kind of like how you would look at like a former paramour. And she knows what's happened. She knows that Jack is dead. And she puts in a very sweet, albeit bittersweet way. I'm glad it was you. I understand what she means, that although nobody wanted this to happen, at least it was at the hand of his best friend, someone who loved him and cared for him, as opposed to someone else. But it doesn't appear that his wife, Laura, knows what's going on. So when Castillo goes to visit her, she's packing please go to the gallery right now you will see a gif of an open suitcase with a tiny katana um wads of cash as she's putting clothes on top of it <laughs> i love it i was like of course i have to make that a gift and as they sit down to talk he tells her that he wants to get her out of miami that to get she and the boy to safety she says that she doesn't want to do anything without jack and that she'll wait for him and castillo is explaining to her that he's already there waiting and that he's the one who'll be taking them. She does know who Castillo is. She does have a photograph of him. So it's not as if it's a complete stranger. She knows this was a dear friend to her husband. 
And keep that friendship in mind because as the conversation progresses, Laura's realizing that Jack isn't coming back and that Jack's dead. Yes, I was there. See? Hurting alone. that hurt when she asked if he held him and he just doesn't answer. I don't think he wants to explain how Jack met his end. But something also incredibly sweet in this scene so he gets to meet Jack's son called Marty. Very sweet. Before we get to this next scene, let me not be nostalgic or sentimental at all because I want to talk about this old Miami Beach poster that's on the left hand side of the picture. Again, this is a great 80s house. You got glass, coffee table, you got a pink couch, you got this beautiful old Miami Beach poster, which I would love to find. I am going to try to find it or see if I can get some kind of replica because it's super art deco and gorgeous. I really enjoyed that. Uh, then with some fixtures. So I'm, I'm really liking their mutual friends interior design. The next scene, however, Jack's wife, despondent about hearing about the death of her husband, not really knowing what's going on, just knowing that once again, they're on the move. Martin, very sweetly, is accompanying them to a safe house in the Keys where they'll be safe. And from there, they will take a boat to get them out. I'm not sure if they're going out of Miami, out of the country, what have you, but they'll be going to safety as long as Martin's involved. And during this car ride, it is actually very sweet to see Castillo bond with Marty. Martin bonding with Marty and tells him a story. I think we all know what it's an allegory for in this next clip. Toshin was the greatest swordsman of his clan. And all the other samurai revered him very much. And the shogun became jealous. The shogun ordered Toshin to murder all the people of a little fishing village as a test of his loyalty. Toshin refused, of course, to do something so wrong. It would have destroyed his honor. He became an outcast to his clan, which turned against him, and lived with the wild animals in the mountains with his family. The clan sent assassins to try to kill them all, but none of them ever came back. Toshin knew that one day they would kill him and his family that not even he could win all the time. That his time would come. Hold on. I double-checked to make sure that this was 100% a made-up story because Toshi does not exist anywhere in samurai literature or anything that I could find on Wikipedia, which is my version of going through the literature, and that hold on that you heard he saw someone in his rear view mirror and again they're driving on the way to the keys it looks like they're kind of on 
a less traveled path. So a little bit concerning for Castillo. But when we see a car pull into um, a pull-off point, it's not Castillo. It's Crockett and Tubbs talking with what appears to be a Florida Highway Patrol officer. The Florida Highway Patrol is pointing out kind of um, a property way off in the distance, completely abandoned. But, and that the the car that he was following was a cop car. So Crockett and Tubbs are just like, what's going on? Where is he going? And right at that time, car pulls up, black SUV, they start firing. Cop car explodes, pops off into the ocean, along with Crockett and Tubbs jumping for their safety. We have no idea what's happened to them as we cut to the safe house. And it is gorgeous, abandoned, barely any furniture. It should be dirty and crawling with snakes and bugs, in my opinion. But as you can see, the lawn is perfectly manicured. I understand that this is a cinematic moment. So as Marty and Laura get settled, Laura's obviously very shaken and she asks Castillo not to leave, but he assures her that he'll be outside the door with a gun, ready to go. And they talk a little bit more and she gives a little bit more explanation into their story with her and Jack. I was with KGB. They will not stop. They know if the others could, they would do what I did. Why Jack? How did you meet him? I was an actress in Moscow. They sent me to fall in love with him. You see, Russians are very well-trained. We do what we're told. But why Jack? He tried to... He pretended to defect. They sent me to pretend to defect. He told them lies about me. I told them lies about him. We were very happy. That couldn't have worked for very long, though. No. After Marty was born, he took us out of Russia. Um, he tried to quit CIA. We lived quietly until they found us again. KGB or the company? We didn't know. Very, very interesting that they could not decipher whether or not they were being tailed by the KGB or the CIA. Woohoo! <laughs> very interesting point. I'm just going to leave that there. Now, Martin must make sure that Marty's okay, takes him upstairs. And in a very sweet scene, Marty wants to know what happened with Toshi. Of course, an allegory for Martin. And he explains a little bit more in this next scene. <laughs> 
Finally, the clan sent his best friend, a man closer than a brother to him. It was this man's duty to obey the clan. Toshin came down off the mountains onto the beach to meet his old friend. They faced each other with drawn swords. They loved each other very much. As they both struck with their swords, Toshin the master was a little quicker. But he only touched his friend's neck. Touching it, but not cutting it. His friend could not stop in time. He struck Toshin once, killing him. Toshin died in honor. It is the way of the Bushido, the way of the warrior. Toshin knew that his family would now be safe, but his friend's heart was broken. And now I have something that belongs to you. That's really beautiful. The story of Toshi started out as Martin's life, and then he was able to incorporate Jack's life into the end to make sure that the story is being told of what an honorable guy that Gretzky was, even though his actions didn't appear to be at the time, they were all for the greater good of his family. And it's with that that Martin gifts Marty with his own katana, his own sword, in a very sweet scene. And this is where we see Laura come behind Martin. She puts his hand on his shoulder and then he puts his hand on top of hers. I was like, oh, don't do not do that. Don't do that. Uh, and then she ends up stabbing him. So <laughs> my notes were very funny. I was like, oh, no. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so he's incapacitated, falls to the floor, knock on the door. Surf are fake CIA real KGB agent comes to the door with a massive gun. Laura wastes no time, shoots him in the shoulder, runs off to hide with the sun for safety. And it's at this time that Hello Earth by Kate Bush is playing in the background during this kind of like cat and mouse struggle and she's trying to get the door open. Well, I do love this Kate Bush renaissance. I was listening to the radio. I had a rental car for the day while my car was in the shop and doesn't have Sirius XM. So I was just listening to terrestrial radio here in Los Angeles. I heard running up that hill three times in less than 24 hours. And that's only the time I was driving. So let's say I was only driving for like three hours. So that's just like, what's an hour? So how much the song must be played on the radio? And a lot of the issue is, is that the station I was listening to, I guess became an iHeart or a Claire Channel radio where they basically just play like the same 30 songs because I heard Kate Bush running up that hill, Numb by Linkin Park, and As It Was by Harry Styles. Multiple times for the one day I had a rental car. And I was like, oh... Kate Bush has so many other songs. Why don't we explore more of her catalog? But I digress. It's a very good scene. There's lots happening in this scene. It's quite a long scene. It's a couple minutes long. We have Castillo hiding in the bathroom up by the ceiling with his arms and his legs outstretched 
like a very stealthy cat. While he is stabbed, you see this wound. You see the blood through his shirt. Then once Laura and Marty are finally in the basement, she unfortunately can't find the gun in the darkness. We get a really good shot of Surf slowly walking with his gun in the basement looking for her. Luckily, Castillo, despite being stabbed, as a man of honor, because I don't know if I would be this honorable if I had just been stabbed, goes to the back door of the basement via the outside, opens the door, takes her and Marty with him to safety. As they're running outside, we see Surf driving Tubbs' Cadillac. Again, this has happened a couple episodes where someone will be driving a car through not really a forest, but it's just where there are a lot of trees. And I was just like, I get it. It's for the cinematic value because that's not really a practical thing to do. You don't know how wide apart these trees are spaced. What if you get stuck? What if you smash your side view mirrors off? But I guess if you're on the hunt to kill somebody, you don't really care about ruining someone else's car. So I get it. Surf has some great lines in this entire scene. I love it so much. I'm just going to play them for you right now. God, I love American cars, don't you? Nothing like a big old Detroit. Born in the USA. Oh, and it gets better. My name is Surf. Isn't that great? My name is Surf. Boy, I love America. Yeah. Land of the free and home of the brave, isn't it? Yeah, this is my first time in Miami, though. Boy, it's paradise here, and it's just paradise. I mean, it is really far out, right? I mean, it is far out. They still say that far out? Kind of hard to keep up. Uh, less iconic lines basically allude to the fact that they want Laura. She's ex-KGB. They want her. This is what they're here for. And he just wants Casillo to give her up. So she does end up, after minutes of all this dialogue and him trying to find her, she does offer herself up. It's at that time Castillo is able to divert his attention, standing there with the sword, being stabbed against a guy (laughs) holding a giant Colt 9mm, I think I got that right, SMG gun. Just Farley completely outmatched, but Castillo being Castillo wants to do it right then and there. Luckily, just before things escalate further, someone comes to the rescue. Surf's up! Crockett and Tubbs have this great relationship with Castillo where they know that he wants his autonomy and that he wants to keep to himself, but they also know when to interject because he will never ask for help, but they know when to give him help. So I really appreciate this. Like, you know, especially we saw this in Golden Triangle that their relationship slowly will warm. It will never completely heat up, but that their friendship and their professional respect for one another still stands. So as they wave off Laura and Marty who are heading off in the boat to safety. Castillo has the bag with the money. These are to Crockett and Tubbs. And lets them know that his honor and his word, they're there to stay. 460. 
That's close enough. In the greater scheme of things, it won't matter. We'll all be lost in the sauce, and no one will care. We'll all be there by bank closing time tomorrow. Castillo doesn't give an inch. He can't. 100% true. He can't. And that's part of the reason why we love him. And that's the end of our episode. That is the end of Bushido. That is Edward James Olmos's first and only episode of Miami Vice that he directed. Interesting. You can definitely tell that this is a very Castillo-centric episode. I'm just looking right now at the time. I'm at 44 minutes. Usually at 44 minutes, I'd almost be wrapping up. And I'm like, oh, we still have all the categories to get through. Because all those clips took a long time to get through. And I really enjoyed it because it is great to have an episode after watching episodes with Izzy and Nogi. It's like, ah, it's just a nice, peaceful episode in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) Or it's not just people talking at full volume, top speed, like yours truly. So (laughs) let's break down this episode. First, let's get to our guest star, Jack Gretzky himself, Dean Stockwell. I've definitely seen him before. He's very, he was a very prolific actor. Did not know that he actually got his start as a child actor. Openly spoke about how much he didn't like it. He does come from a family of actors. And there are some super handsome pictures of him as a young lad on the internet that I was very taken aback by. You can see, like, obviously he's aged a little bit in Miami Vice, but... There were some pictures of the 60s where I was like, ooh, hello. Uh, had quite an interesting life. He uh, practiced art. He was also a trained sculptor. He dropped out for a bit in the 60s, became a hippie, lived in Laurel Canyon, then returned to acting in 1968. I recognized him from To Live and Die in L.A., The Legend of Billie Jean, Blue Velvet, and he was actually nominated for an Oscar for his role in Married to the Mob. He also starred on Battlestar Galactica with obviously Edward James Olmos. Lived in New Mexico for parts of his life, worked as a sculptor, and fortunately passed away in New Zealand this past November 2021. But uh, yeah, what a guy, what a prolific IMDb profile. And our guest star, I can never pronounce her name, the beautiful one with whom Gritsky's wife and child were staying at, played by Rosanna DeSoto, also has an Edward James almost connection in that she was in Stand and Deliver. Also, I did recognize her from Melrose Place, and she was also in La Bamba. Gorgeous woman. Again, like I always say, Castillo bats well above his league. Oh, <laughs> this is a rumor I heard ages ago. I didn't include it in that week's episode because I wanted to do some research. I could not find any evidence of this. But the rumor is that Abraham Quintanilla, Selena's father, didn't want to be played by Edward James Olmos because he was, quote, ugly, end quote. Which is quite funny because when you look at pictures of Abraham, he is not a looker himself, maybe in his younger days. So <laughs> the judginess coming from that man is very surprising. And we're talking about a man with not the greatest scruples as much as we love and adore Selena. She was pushed in, pushed into child stardom by her father, you know, as we've learned more and more. And I still to this day cannot believe that there aren't more laws protecting child actors. I just watched Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe movie on Netflix that just came out. And there is the scenes from her childhood are so haunting 
as an adult watching it, I don't even know how that actor could process all that. And then, you know, watching the rehearsal and just having Jeanette McCurdy's book come out, I'm happy my mom is dead or I'm glad my mom died. Like, we're still letting kids act in this day and age. I will give my parents credit. When I was younger, I really, really, really wanted to be famous. And as a kid, and I was not a cute kid by any means, <laughs> It's kind of tall, chubby, unibrow, you know, like not really a lot of things that you want to see on the silver screen. And I would beg and beg and beg my parents to like sign me up for Barbizon, sign me up for something. And I'm glad that they didn't because number one, being a child star in Canada, you're kind of just relegated to smaller Canadian productions. Number two, just like I really dodged a bullet on that. And yeah. I still don't to this day know I'm a child actor. Sorry, I guess I'm just bringing that back to Dean Stockwell and Selena, but rant over. And then our last guest star of note, Thomas Waits. I knew him as Fox from the Warriors. Also on Crime Story, of course, another Miami Vice connection. There is a movie called McBain that came out in 1981 <laughs> with Christopher Walken. But I'm just thinking of McBain from The Simpsons. And Renee Rolfcastle. And so I just, I laughed so hard when I realized that was a real movie. Uh, he was also on Oz. Oz, that's when I kind of, I wanted to rewatch. I started watching it during the pandemic. Got a little too dark, uh, as you, as, surprise, surprise. Uh, a little too dark to just keep watching. But yeah, lots of really talented guest stars and lots of great stars on that show. And then obviously he was on Law and Order. So yeah, he's also had a prolific career. But yes, I know him best from the Warriors. And I still laugh at how... Uh, douchey that DA agent was one who was supposed to talk like Rambo special forces all these medals ending up pantless and hogtied on a toilet love to see it ooh this fun one this week because I think I'm gonna give it all up to the ladies Trudy in that pink strapless tube dress while she's roller skating at night gorgeous looks like a million bucks I also really like I think her name is Aranina she looks amazing. She's the mutual friend of Gretzky and Castillo, who's watching over Gretzky's wife and child. But when she comes to the door, she has these gorgeous blue earrings that looks like a leaf. And then she's wearing a spaghetti strap, what appears to be kind of like a leopard print dress. But her hair is gorgeous and beautiful and flowing. She's very naturally beautiful. I also very much appreciate, let's name them the best dressed couple of Jack and Laura Gretzky. That picture, quote unquote, where they're in Moscow, which might be the Miami-Dade courthouse. <laughs> but they just look so stylish. I know that's not fake fur. That's the only reason I didn't want to give it top place. But again, I have to suspend my my preferences for this one. I just think they look so cute and so fashionable in this scene. And best dressed man, I am going to give it to Sunny in the pink loose knit shirt. I also really like Tubbs's outfit. Unfortunately, I didn't get a great picture on the gallery. I want to see if I can find one and post it on Instagram. When they're at the temple slash house, when they've... Castillo has killed Gretzky. Tubbs is wearing like a khaki green with black pants and a gray jacket. And he looks really good. Just like great colors on him. I really like that khaki green. I know it's um, a little bit earthy. So I was surprised Michael Mann let that in there. But I'm going to try to get a better picture and let you guys be the host. Be the judge. Oh my god. And last but not least, wild card. Surprise, surprise to nobody is going to go to our boy Herrera 
in the weirdly sequined, possibly button-up shirt that he's wearing to do this bathroom deal. I'll also give credit to Sonny looking incredibly handsome and sweaty in that open white t-shirt with his holster around his shoulders. Great cold open, by the way. Great cold open. At night, sexy, sweaty roller skates, drug deal, sequins. It's hard to top that. And now let's jump over to music. Now, there's only two songs that are not Jan Hammer songs used in this episode. The opening, Boys and Girls, by Brian Ferry. Sorry, not by Roxy Music, by Brian Ferry. And then, like I mentioned, Hello Earth by Kate Bush. And I'm going to give, this is a tough one because they both set the scene up really well, but I think I'm going to give it to our girl, Kate Bush, who's enjoying her renaissance almost 40, 40 years later. Almost 40 years later, 38 years later, 37 years later. But got to hand it to her for this episode. But I do really like the score, the Russian story score that Jan Hammer uses without. And then kind of the uh, the mood it sets. And I really like what they're playing, what they're using during that whole basement cat and mouse hunt game. Now, the quote of the episode, which I will leave you with as we close up this episode. As always, you can find me every week wherever you find your podcast at Vice and Easy Podcast. You can subscribe. I would love it. You can give me a five-star review. I would love it even more. You can leave me comments. You can leave me love on YouTube. You can leave me love on Instagram and TikTok. Find me wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you again for listening and supporting us each week. Now let's end this with two separate quotes. Obviously, my choice for the top quote for Bushido is... Surf's up! Like, that's what I was thinking when we first met him and his name was Surf. I was assuming S-E-R-F, like, Surfdom. Uh, your spy name being Surf? Isn't that, like, a huge red flag? Like, that's so... Too fake American. Like, what is her name? Hamburgers. What is her name? Beach volleyball. What is her name? Surf. But I digress. The accent, when he says in it, I was like, it sounds, I really like the way he delivered his lines because he sounded like he was trying to sound extra American, but you couldn't hear a tinge of a Russian accent. So, but it sounded foreign, you know, like it sounded put on, but I was really impressed with how the actor delivered those lines. I thought that was very, very funny. And then as we wrap up this episode, thank you once again for listening. We will see you next week with Bought and Paid For. And as always... Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show. <laughs>